This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, so let's talk about Pesach. Um, I have to excuse myself that we're going to have to leave at 10 o'clock because I have a very big simcha, a very close friend of mine is making a wedding. Um, and I haven't been there before at the Chuppah, so I have to show up. Um, at 10.30, I ho- I'm hoping they'll still be there. They will be. So, um, and Rafu Shalem, what's the name? Shalamas Bas. Rachel Nuchama. She's going into some surgery, and in Bezrat Hashem, it should go well. And she should come out healthy and um, have a Rifas Yaman Bishanam. Okay, whoever wants the name, whoever wants the name, what's the name? You can give it to. Say the name again, please. Over here, okay. Lily Sylvia Elizabeth Alright, so we spoke we spoke last week about the relationship that Hakaraj Baruchu had had with Klaisra. We spoke about the princess in the mud, the queen in the mud, the princess in the mud. By the way, it's just interesting, I spoke last night when I spoke to the boys, that it says that we wear two crowns, but, uh, that we wear two crowns by the Seder, two crowns of Malchus, because there's two ways of becoming a queen. You could be the daughter of the king, so you're a princess, or you can marry the king, then you become a queen. So there's two ways. It's either hereditary, right, royal blood, blue blood, or you don't even have to have blue blood. If you marry the king, you become the queen automatically. So, Klai Yisrael is, is both ways. We're Banamatam Hashem. We're God's children. At the same time, on the night of Pesach, we got engaged to Kodesh Baruch. We spoke about this last week. So we married the king. We're the Kala. He's the Chassan. So we're a queen. We're also the king's children. So we're a princess. So we have two crowns. A crown of royalty that we're blue blood. And on top of that, a crown that, that we're married to the king. So it's just very interesting. Um, Medrash and Pasha Shmos we're the first time that Moshe Rabbeinu met Hashem. Where did Moshe Rabbeinu meet Hashem? He met him in a thorn bush, in a snack. Why in a thorn bush? Why not in a rose bush? Why not in a apple tree, right? So I want to read you a beautiful medrash. Um, and the medrash says in Shir Hashirim, so we, we say, Ani Yishena, very poetic. Um, I am sleeping, but Velibi air. My heart, my soul is open. In other words, even though I, I'm in Gullus and I'm going through all these problems and, and I look like I'm a Jew who's sleeping, who's not doing what I'm supposed to. But so what my love saying, every Jew will leave be, will leave air. My, but my heart is open. My, my, so when, when a person sleeps at night, they're what, 60% dead or whatever it is, 160th of death. But the truth is you're, you're alive, right? Even though you're sleeping. Shoma Melech made a statement to HaKash Baruch that Hashem, you should know that I look like I'm sleeping, but I'm not sleeping. The Libi air, but my heart is always open. So the, the, the Medjish Rabbi says, I need Yishena min mitzvos. I'm sleeping from the mitzvos. I'm not doing the mitzvos. But the Libi air, I really, I really want to do them. My heart really wants to do them. I'm just, I'm going through so much in life. I'm in such a gullus, 2,000 years. Jewish nation is in gullus. That I can't, I can't do it anymore. I can't handle it anymore. I'm just, it's just too much. This is what Shlomo Melech was saying. And then he says in Shir Shirim, Tamasi b'sinai shinitamu imi b'sinai. Tamasi is a lashon of, um, Tamasi is a twin, right? Kol asher diber Hashem natsav anishma. Whatever Hashem says, I will do and then I will hear. Amar Rabbi the major says. Rabbi said, What's, why are you bringing twins into here? What do twins have to do with this whole thing? Ma tu umim halalu. What are these two twins? So it happens to be, it's an interesting medrash, that it's talking about twins that are adjoined. 
what do you call that in English? They have a word for it. Not, not Siamese. Siamese twins? Siamese twins. Conjoined twins. Conjoined. Siamese means they just look exactly like, right? No. Siamese, they're connected? Connected. All right. So Siamese. So what are these twins? They're Siamese twins. If one has a headache, the other one has a headache because they're connected. That's what Hashem said to Klai Yisrael, that I am your Siamese twin. You think you're suffering and I don't feel it? We're connected. Okay. Hashem said to Moshe, this was in the snare, in the bush. Do you feel my pain, that I am also in pain? Just like the Jewish nation is living in pain. You should know. Why, why am I speaking to you from this specific place? I'm speaking to you from amongst the thorns. And he should the bitzaron. Just like you're in pain, I feel like I'm, I'm amongst the thorns too. I feel the pains of the thorn, just like you feel the pain of the thorn. The very, very close relationship between, um, between us and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And really, this relationship is really what the Kabbalah talks about this. And this is really what goes on. I don't think that people realize it. I don't think they understand the Kedusha of, um, What's going on by the Seder, the night of the Seder? In Israel, they only have one. We have two. Because it takes us two to get to their one, because we're in the Chutzlaretz. But the Seder is such a holy time, and it's really a time where there's a, 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 a zivug, a, a connection, a very holy zivug. I don't understand what it means exactly. The Kabbalah talks about it. That there's a zivug, like a chas and a kale in the Yichud room. That's how we are on, on the, on the, um, on the night of Pesach. Whatever that means. And who's, of course, trying to ruin that and make sure it doesn't happen? The Satan and his wife. Yep, the Satan and his wife. So he says, he says, so we speak about this a lot. I spoke about this last year. Here, I want to read you, I want to read you a Zayar. I'm not going to explain it to you, but just to have a little bit of understanding, you know, don't be in a rush. And, and I can't wait till we get to eat, and I'm tired. This is a time where the chassan, you know, is, uh, uh, imagine, <laughs> I'm just thinking about this, just came to my head. So these two, this, this chassan and Kali get married, right? And they're going now to the Yichud room. And they, na, 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 right, everyone's dancing. And they get into the Yichud room and they close the door, right? And she doesn't even look at him, she sits down, and she starts stuffing her face. And the guy's sitting there, we're married. Uh, I'm sorry, I have no time. I gotta eat. I'm hungry. Uh, he, he would be so insulted. Or chas v'shalom, if, if a guy would do that to a girl. Forget about it. They just got married and they go into the yichud room and he's sitting there stuffing his face and she's like, hi, you're married. Not now, not now. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Right? That's what happens when you sit in the theater and you're, you're like, I can't wait to get to eat. Let's go. Hurry up. You know, your brother wants to say Dvatari. He comes from Brisk or wherever he's from. He wants to say Dvatari and everyone's like, Tomorrow by lunch. Tomorrow by lunch. We used to always do that. Tomorrow by lunch. And then by lunch, of course, nah, no one has time for them, right? Well, buy the meal. But not now. Because we're hungry. All of a sudden, everyone's like, chatzois people. Like, we have to be finished. Never on time. Never say Kriya Shema on time. Never say Shema Nasri on time. Never show up to Shul on time. Never had any times in your life. Pesach night. We gotta be finished chatzais. We have to have that meal by 11.30. So, uh, that's, that's what this is. I, I wanna read you inside. I didn't even do this for the board though. This is, I'm gonna read you some Zayah tonight. It says anyone who hears the words of the Zayah, it, it brings a lot of kedusha into your soul and it protects you. This is what he says. Begin kach. So the Zayah is written in Aramaic. Begin kach. Because of this, you throw kadishin misaknin liyichud hakadjbaruchu uchkinte beisa. The, the Jews clean up and make very, and prepare their house to be biyichud. It's a yichud room. To be biyichud with HaKadosh Baruch Hu and his whole shechina. Kol hahu yayma, that whole day. So you, we clean up the whole Erev Pesach, we set the table. Dahab mahu laila, because on that night, 
I don't know what this means, but I'm just going to read it. Zivuga ilah kadisha itavishtachach. The 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 there's a zivug between us and the Elyon Hakadosh. Who halayla hazel Hashem? It says in the pasuk that this is a night for Hashem, so it's a very 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 holy night. Now I got to try to figure out how to do this in the hotel because I speak about this every year and I'm very mockbit on this. And I'm going to just have to take a bunch of all the kids and we have to reset the tables after they're set because this is what the Kavat Yosha says. Right, I never went for the storm. So we're going for the storm because I intend Mitzvah Hashem to affect a lot of people and kids who go away for Pesach and have absolutely no spiritual experience whatsoever. It's just food and swimming and playing and the Seder is one, two, three. Well, we have this whole program. Um, in fact, been working on it the last five days. It's going to be amazing. Um, Erev Pesach, I'm taking all the kids. There's a hundred kids between the ages of four and eleven. And we are, we bought these grinders and all the kids and myself, we're going to grind the, the, the marar because it's a minute that I have since I'm a little boy that before the Seder, we grind the marar ourselves. And my father, Oliver Shalom, should rest in, in, in the highest part of Ganeiden. We would sit in the kitchen and we would do this. And when you grind marar, right, it's it's very sharp and it makes you cry. It hits you when you breathe it in. Wow, it, your eyes start tearing and it, like it, it's very good for your sinuses, by the way. If you need to clean your sinuses, this stuff cleans your sinuses. And when we would cry, as little kids, it would be tears coming down my eyes. My father said we should all dive in now. That we should say to Hashem, these are the tears. The only tears this year that we should have from pain. And we used to say that every single year. And I do it with my children and my grandchildren. And it's not something I want to give up. So we're doing it with all the kids that are coming to this Pesach program. In Merit Hashem, we are, we are teaching them how to check lettuce. We have the Mashkiach teaching them how to, how to check lettuce. We have an Afikoman hunt. We're making the Marar. And in Merit Hashem, I intend to march around the place. And when they, after they put all the plates, all the tables are set to take all the plates, stack them in the middle and have the kids put them back out again. Why? Why? So, Mitzvah Shem, we have 24 kids from University of Arizona who are not from, who are coming. So, I don't know, we'll see. I'm, I'm sure it's an experience. What? We own the hotel for 10 days. We took the whole hotel, all the rooms, everything. It's our hotel. They said you can do whatever you want. It's our hotel. So it's, uh, I'm very excited. We have a lot of stuff. I, I don't want them to just walk out 20 pounds heavier and, and, and with a suntan. That's not, that's not the objective over here. So Mitzvah Hashem, we have, we have Leaper Schmelzer doing a special, uh, uh, that should be interesting, a special Seder for the kids on the second night. So he's all dressed up as Paro. He's got a whole play. He's got the kids in a play, doing a play in the Seder on the second night, whatever. Uh, we'll see what happens. What? Yes, so we'll see, we'll see what happens. So why do I need to reset the table? So it says the following. It is so holy on the night of Pesach. It is so holy that Hashem is coming to the, to the Seder. When you're setting the table, you're supposed to set it with silver. We don't show off our silver. That's not what we do. But by the Seder, we do. We take out, supposed to take out all your silver cups, even the ones that you're not using. Silver cups, everything, of course, has to be kashered for a Pesach. Silver cups, your silverware, your silver vases, anything that you can that's in silver or gold, you should put on that table. Shh. It's on tape. I don't want them to know what I'm carrying on the plane. Of course I'm bringing it to the hotel. I have to have my Seder, but anyway. But before the Seder, I bought today about 600 frogs, um, about 500 stickers. I got frogs that jump. I got frogs that fly. Um, we got all kinds of stuff going on because before I make my Seder, I want to go to every table and give to the kid. We want to make it, we want to make it Pesach. So it's a little bit different than most Pesach. And there's some girls here that will be there. They'll tell you after Pesach if it's true, if we pulled it off. Mitzvah Are you allowed to, to bring something to your host on, on Pesach night? Sure, why not? Like wine? Sure. You're as, long, as long as it's kosher with Pesach. Carry? 
Uh, you, Friday night. Well, well, this year it's Friday night. Friday night, so it's a problem. You can't carry it all night at night. But you're going to be there before Shabbos, so it's not a problem. Before you, of course, you're not going to be there on Shabbos. So, so this table has to be set totally out of control. My, my father, Shum, used to buy every year something in silver for my for the family, for my mother, for the for the house, for Pesach, whatever it was, a napkin holder or so, whatever. So the silver kept he kept adding on and adding on. It's Malchus. It's a night of Malchus. We're going to talk about what that means. Okay, so this is what it says. So the Iker Kavana of setting the table is for HaKadosh Baruch Because he's coming to your Seder. I hope he gets to Arizona. The Alkain, Chalila v'chalila, Chas v'shalom. He never uses this lotion. A double lotion. Chas v'shalom. L'sakein hasiba yidei shifcha nachris. Chas v'shalom, that the one that should set your table... Should be a non-Jewish maid. Uh-uh. By the way, the Kabbalah says this about Shabbos also. Your Shabbos table should be set always by someone in the house, not the maid. The maid should not, should not set your table. And it's very nice to set your table Thursday night. Because Shabbos also is a very holy time, and it's a time for a person to actually set their own, you know, to set their own table. Kiyam dafka Yisraelis. It has to be set by a Jew. Umatay ma'id. But even better than just a Jewish woman, a woman that's not Tame from Tomasanida. Umikoshikane, he says, and surely she Yaisitov, Aide Bisula Yisraelis, a young girl, Shalai Raya Sanida Dayan, younger than twelve years old. She never had her period. She was never Tame. He says that is even better. Pshita. He says, it's simple, that that's much more praiseworthy. Okay? And he says on the bottom, so this was written by the Sadat Navar, this was written 350 years ago. Very holy say for the Kavayasha. He writes on the bottom, the Kach Noyag Meiri, about his Rebbe, he says, this was the meaning of my Rebbe, that he would find a young kid, a young girl, a young kid, to set his table, who was never Tomei. So I usually use, I mean, now I'm going to a hotel, but my granddaughter, my little granddaughter, just the plates and that kind of stuff, she would put out. No, just to say, this is for the Seder. This is just the Seder. This is for the Seder. What? It could be a young boy also, try to get them to set the table, but yes, definitely could be a young boy. No problem with having a young boy do it. Absolutely. If you can get him to do it, Fine. So, uh, the reason I'm telling you this is just to give you an idea, because we don't have this on Shavuos, we don't have this on Sukkot, we don't have this really on Shabbos either, just that a, a non-Jewish woman shouldn't set the table. Just by the Seder, it is such a holy night that our Baruch Hu is coming to all our tables. So he doesn't want to, he, and he's bringing all his malachim, and he wants to prove to them that he was right, that he saw this beautiful princess, and that's Klai Yisrael. So you gotta make sure that you're not talking about, you know, politics and, 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 and social things and, and all kinds of nonsense. It's a very, very holy time. He brings down, I, I don't read it, I don't read it because it's just too hard to do. Kavayasha says you shouldn't, you should only talk Lashon HaKadosh by the Seder. That's what he says. You should only talk Hebrew. You shouldn't talk English. You shouldn't talk any other language but Lashon HaKadosh. What? He says Lashon HaKadosh. So I'm just saying, we don't, we don't, we can't, we can't hold by that. But, but you, you get an idea of the crazy Kedusha that, the holiness that has to be at your Seder. It's a very, very, very serious, very serious time, and a very, very beautiful time. And a person who has a, a Seder, the way he's supposed to, then, uh, the Shekhinah gives him a bracha, because he comes to the house and he says to the Malachim, look at my children. You know, 2,000 years in Gullus, and they still make a Seder. And, and it's interesting, I was, I was talking about it last night, and then we get to a little bit of a different subject, um, that the beginning of the Seder, we start with Avadam Hayinu. We were servants, we were slaves. And at the end of the Seder, the last song that we sing, if you're up still, Chagadja, the last phrase of Chagadja, is V'asa Kodesh Baruch Hashem came, V'sheichet, and he killed, he shechted, the Malcham Oves. When's that going to happen? Mashiach. Right, so the beginning starts off that I'm a slave, and the end starts off at, at, at Mashiach. And the lesson of that is that, that if you don't, 
if you don't go back to where you come from, if you don't deal with your stuff, where you come from, then you can't you can't get there. And 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 I, I if you listen to to last night's share, I spoke about it. Um, I also spoke about it in seminary. So I'll, I'll explain to you in a story that happened to me. So last, not this past week, but the week before, I was in Phoenix, Arizona, um, on Monday. I told you a little, a little bit last week, and we had to um, train the non-Jewish staff because they they never had they never had a uh, a Pesach program in this hotel, so they don't know nothing about Jews. Okay, it's in the center of Phoenix. They know nothing about Jews. So, so we have to explain to them what they're about to, what, what is about to descend on this hotel, right? 800 Yidin, Kanan O'Hara, then we know how to eat. So the, 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 the first part of our, so we're doing a whole day interview with their whole staff. So we're trying to explain to them crumbs in the room. Imagine you tell somebody you can't have a crumb in the room, right? So we're talking to housekeeping. We're talking to the food, beverage, and services. We're talking to each division. So in housekeeping, we're trying to explain to them the holy days and the non-holy days. Holy days are um, are the Yom Tovim, and the non-holy days is Cholamoid, right? So it was, very, it was very funny. So I'm there with my partners, whatever, the Rabbi Fuchs and other people. So he's trying to explain to them. So we're talking to housekeeping, but everyone's in the room. There's like 50 people in the room, the heads of each department. So now we're talking to housekeeping. So he says, listen... On the holy days, that means Shabbos, Yantif, right? We don't use toilet paper. Now, the, these people don't, right, they don't understand what we're saying. So they're all looking at each other. And he didn't, he didn't chop, he didn't chop what he just said that they didn't understand. I, I'm, I'm watching people and he didn't chop what he just said. And they're like, oh my gosh, Jews don't use toilet paper for two days, right? And they're all looking at each other like, I'm not working here. Like, you know, this is crazy. So, so I said, no, no, no. We need boxes of tissues. Oh, so they didn't understand. So we had to take a piece of paper and rip it and explain to them, we don't rip because it doesn't make any, to a non-Jew, what do you, what's ripping? That's not work. So we went through every little thing, you know, no elevators and this, that, and, and you can't do this and you can't do that and whatever. And that we're going to do a, a, a wire around the hotel and a rip, go explain that to somebody, right? We're just trying to explain all these different, you know, all these different parts. So the food part is a very, not only easy, I don't know, you have to ask my, my brother-in-law, but he's not only a good, a unbelievable mashkia. I mean, it's under the ORB, but he's the only mashkia that actually takes, does a tour where he takes the people into the kitchen and shows how he kashered it, shows how he does, how he runs the whole basic thing. It's open to the public. So he does a tour Erev Yantiv, with like, I heard the last tour he did was like there were sixty to eighty people that went with him, and he goes through every single part on how they kashered, what they're doing, and how they're doing. Does very, he, very transparent. Does he give the keys to any of the workers when he keeps? I, I'm, 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 I'm my elephant was my brother was the head of the OU, and before I did anything, I gave him all the information of who's the mashkiach and what's the kashrus and everything else, and I'm very makbid that under my watch. Not one ave or nothing, not one sin, not one thing, you know, can go wrong. I had a long talk with the day, you know, day camps. I don't want boys and girls to talk, whatever. I'm very, I'm, I'm doing this for the, a spiritual reason. I don't want, I don't want one bug in the lettuce. I don't want one fly. I want to see how the light boxes, we actually teach the kids how they, how they do that. He's, he's, he's supposedly in, in the Hashkocha business. This guy is supposed to be tops, tops, tops. So, so we're talking about food. So I'm telling them, you know, so we have, uh, after diving, we have a kiddush. Then we go to lunch. Then two hours after that, we have a barbecue. Then we have the tea rooms open 24-7. Then we have supper. And they're all looking at us. And then we have this, and then we have that, and then we have this. And then also, after breakfast, people make sandwiches, not sandwich, whatever, take food for their trips, even though that stuff never gets eaten it goes up to the room right there's sometimes more food in the room which we're not allowing of course you can't take food to your room because then you have a problem with the dishes whatever anyway we're giving this whole speech this whole speech and they're looking at me at us and I realize that it's a little bit of a chil Hashem because it sounds like that Jewish people all we do is eat you know Goyim don't eat that much they drink a lot they don't eat so much we eat Kiddush lunch snack room Onik Shabbos like Friday night it's it's like Supper, Onik Shabbos, Cholent, right? Baruch Hashem. Listen, we were in the midbar for 40 years. You know what I'm saying? Come on. 
so so I realized that uh oh this is not sounding good to these people so I made a joke I said you don't understand see we're, we're sort of like there's a different religion that has Ramadan where they fast for 40 days we have that also before Passover we fast for 40 days and then after Passover, we fast for seven days. So the, when they come in, they haven't eaten for 40 days. They're very hungry. And then they know that for next week, they won't be able to eat. So the, the last three days you're eating for the week, and they're all listening. Oh, now we understand. 40 days, they must be very hungry. But I realize that, I realize that if I don't tell them the truth, they're going to find out that I made that story up. So I just, like, I waited five minutes and I told them, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We're just, we're just, we're, you know. Baruch Hashem. By the way, it happens to be, everyone makes fun that Jewish people eat a lot, but the truth is, the truth is, that really, the spiritual world and physical world parallel, parallel each other. So, HaKadosh Baruch Hu specifically gives us a mitzvah on Yontav and Shabbos, right, you would think, Yontav is a holy day, Shabbos is a holy day, you should fast, you should fast, it's a holy day, you should pull yourself away from the spiritual world. It's Shabbos, you should fast. Or eat a little bit, right? It's a mitzvah, shalai shudais. You have to have three meals, and in every meal you have to have meat. And on Yantif you have to have meat and wine. It's the opposite. Because what Judaism is, is to take the physical world take, and make it spiritual. So yes, on Yantif you have to eat meat. Eating milkshakes on Yantif, you're not yaitza. On Shavuos, the Mishaburah has a whole bunch of halachas because the truth is people eat milchiks. And he says, no, you're not yaitzah. Basa vidogim, not basa odogim. You have to have fish, and you have to have meat, and you have to have wine, and you have to have challah. It's basa and dogim. So we as Jews, yes, Hashem's telling us, yes, you should eat. Not you should fast. It's a time to fast. Is a time to eat. On Yantiv specifically, you're supposed to eat. And, you, and on Shabbos, you're supposed to have Shalashunis. But not and, hour. What? Not hour. But matzah. Matzah. On Pesach, but on the other Yom Tovim, you have to wash. People who are on a diet, I always tell them, you, you, you have to, you, even if you're on a diet, and whatever it is, unless you're sick, and you're allergic to wheat, right? You have to, on Shabbos, I don't care what kind of diet you are, you have to have a Kezai's Chala. It's a, it's a mitzvah on Shabbos to have a Kezai's Chala. Because if you're gonna, not going to have a kezai's challah and you're going to say, well, I was on a diet, then for the rest of your life, you better not eat any more, any challah ever. Because how are you going to answer in Shemaya? Oh, when I gave you a mitzvah, you're on a diet. When you wanted to have a burger on a roll, then you weren't on a diet, right? So a person has to, a person has to wash. So, yes, we as Jews are very different. Holiness can come through physical activity. Even even between man and wife, that's considered uh, it's considered in the Zohar and everything as the holiest moment. It's the opposite of the, the other religions who hold that to be holy, a man can never be with a woman. So he's not allowed to marry a woman. He has to, he has to be a, a priest or whatever, or, you know, in, in Buddhism, whatever it is, a monk, where you have to abstain totally, no, no physical relationship, no, and fasting and fasting and fasting. That's not Yiddishkeit. We're only supposed to fast. We're only supposed to fast. And if you fast on Shabbos, it's an Avera. To fast on Shabbos is an Avera. So it's very, it's very different than most religions. And and it, it's it's it is about eating and drinking, but not like a mashugana. Not 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 that's not healthy, but yeah, you're supposed to have a suuda. You're not supposed to just have a cracker and leave. You're supposed to eat a suuda, even by the seder, which is the holiest night. Shulchan Aruch, right? You can say Pesach. You, you shouldn't have a big meal. Shiamara and that and all the symbolism and, and leave and go and, and go to sleep. No, Shulchan Aruch is part of it. It's very much part of it. Okay. So the point that I want to get to is a little bit different. So after the meeting, so we had this whole meeting, whatever it is, after the meeting, we got up, and they're really nice people. They're very nice people. So the, I don't know if she's second in command, I don't know her position in the hotel, but way up there, whatever it is. So she came over to me, and she said, you know, thank you very much. You were very, you know, very informative. And she put out her hand to shake my hand. Now... In halacha, in halacha, if a woman, a non-Jewish woman puts out her hand, like in business, which I'm in my whole life, they put out a hand and the hand is out there, right? Then you're allowed to shake it, but it should be like, like shaking your brother's hand, like, like shaking another guy's hand, right? It can't linger, it can't, it's, it, so some people will say, 
will say to the person, I'm really sorry, we have Jews, and that, we don't do this, and that, and so it depends on, will that person understand, will that person walk away and say, like, what am I, a disease, it is true how they talk about them, they think they're better than us, you know what I'm saying? You can't put your hand out for us, that you're not allowed to do. So, many years ago, I came to the realization that if I want to grow in spirituality, I don't want to shake women's hands. Um, so you, what do you do? You walk into the meeting with a briefcase and a folder. So if you walk into a meeting with a briefcase and a folder, they're not going to put their hand out. They don't expect you to drop your, your briefcase to shake their hand. So you, you're supposed to have something in each hand, and that's it. So you don't have that problem. But I wasn't at this meeting thinking that way, whatever it is. And there's her hand. Thank you very much. So I shook her hand. Okay? So I shook her hand. Then, she went over, she was shaking it, she was trying to shake everybody's hand, whatever it is, and then one person, no, because it's business, business. Thank you very much, thank you very much, nice meeting you, thank you very much. Very, very business, just business, pure business. And the other person says, I'm really sorry, but the custom, the Orthodox Jews, that nothing personal has done with anybody. We don't shake, not a Jewish woman's hand either. We don't shake anybody's, any, any woman's hand. Oh, I understand, I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm like, that's really great. Uh, you just, I really look great at this moment. Like, I really look like it, you know. So she's probably thinking, like, what's up with him? Like, he, you know. So I, so on the plane on the way back, I sat there and I'm like, so why'd you put your hand out, Wallstein? Why did you put your, why did you shake her hand? Did you shake her hand because you didn't want to embarrass her? Or she was a pretty girl. You shook her hand. So you have to go inside yourself, and you have to figure out, where did that come from? Why didn't I react the way the other person reacted? Okay, maybe her hand was out there by me, and she sort of was approaching him, so he was able to do that. And I started really beating myself up, because I'm the guy who talks about, you know, Shemir Senayim, Kedusha, you know, Shemir Nagiya. This is my subject. This is what this is what I'm all about. And you just shook this lady's hand, and you maybe could have gotten out of it. So you have to do some soul searching and you have to go inside yourself, which most people don't do. And you have to figure out, you see, and this is what I spoke to the, I spoke a lot about this last night. If you do something wrong, so you can do tshuva. You did something wrong, you made a mistake. But that's tshuva. But you need to figure out why you did what you did. Because just saying you're sorry that you did something wrong doesn't fix where it came from. It will happen again. So a person, what does this have to do with Pesach? Freedom, freedom, true freedom, is the ability to say no, not yes. We learn in America and in the world that what's freedom? I'm free! I can do whatever I want! That's the next word after you say you're free. I'm free, I can now do whatever I want. I can eat what I want, I can sleep what I want, I can talk what I want. I am free. Wrong. A slave always says yes. Yes, master, want me to clean the floor? Sure. Want me to clean your car? Yes, master. Could you take the garbage out? Yes, master. Could you polish my shoes? Yes, master. The only word that a slave cannot say is no. When the master says, go clean my car, and you say, no, you're a dead slave. So a slave is the person who says yes. A free man is the person who has the ability to say no. And that is, it was called Mitzrayim, comes from the word Mitzar. Mitzar means narrow, your neck is called an oira, is it the most narrow part of your body, between your head and your body, it's a, a narrowing, right? A narrowing is this lack of freedom, is this being squished into, that I have, you know, that I have to do. Your neck is like, turn to the right, turn to the left, turn up, turn down, right? Can't say no, can't say no, your neck's turning, your head says, turn to the left, your neck turns, you turn to the right, turn to the right, doesn't say no, so the, so Mitzrayim, Paro, the, their koyach, their strength was Mitzar to take Klai Yisrael and, 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 and squeeze them. And of course, we were on the 49th level of Tumah. We served Avay Dezar. We did all the, we did all this bad stuff, even though Hashem chose us. So, so the actual freedom is the ability to say no. Now, if you don't have that ability, if, for instance, 
I'm just giving this as an example. Last night, someone told you there's this crazy bad movie that's on the internet. You know, if you go to YouTube, you could see it. And you watched it. And it really wasn't nice. It was very immoral what you watched. So the next day you wake up and you're like, oh man, I cannot believe I watched that. Oh, I, wow, I, I'm so, Hashem, I am so sorry. I should not have watched that. I should not have said that. Lush and Hara. I should not have, I should not have. Should not. That's very nice. But what you really need to do is find out how come I didn't say no? How come I was a slave? How come I said yes? And you have to figure out where did that come from? Where's the break in my armor? Why couldn't I say no? And if you can't figure that out, you will do it again. So I'm right now working on my head. Why did I shake that hand? Was it really because you didn't want to embarrass her? If she was the ugliest person in the world and she put her hand out, would you have shaken it? Would you have said, oh, here's my excuse not to shake her hand. I'm sorry, I'm Jewish and religious. I don't, right? Was it because she wasn't ugly? What, what, why? So is it true that you just didn't want to embarrass her? Then good. Then Baruch Hashem, that's the reason and that's the real reason and there's nothing else and you're honest with yourself and you're working on yourself and that's it. Okay, so next time it won't happen again. But is there, if there's another reason, there was a break in your, in your armor, which I think I know there was, and there was a break in your armor and it, Rav Chaim Kainesky would not have shaken her hand, I promise you. And my Rosh Hashiva and Rabbi Gamliel would not have shaken her hand. They would have said, I'm really sorry, with, with a lot of respect. So why, why did I? So there was a break in the armor, and I, I have to go inside myself, and I have to look at myself and say, a year ago or maybe a month ago, that would not have happened. You would have, you would have told her why you can't shake her hand. Maybe yes, maybe no. But on the way to, and I have no problem talking about myself, on the way to, um, to what's it called? It's a five-hour flight, a four-and-a-half, five-hour flight on on JetBlue. There was a fantastic basketball game, a big college basketball game that was on the screen in front of me. And I put in my earphones. Instead of listening to my sheer on my tape of my little recorder that I brought, I watched that game. And then, of course, in the middle of the game, I changed the channels. And I don't watch television. I haven't watched television in 17 years. I don't watch screens. I don't watch television. I bring stuff on plane, right? And for, I was just tired, made excuses for myself. It's five hours. It's sports, all the excuses, and I allowed him in. I allowed the Yitzhahara in. I didn't allow him in for 17 years. I allowed him in, eh, spoil, whatever it is. So my protection, my walls came down a drop. So I got to go inside. I got to figure that out. I got to understand where it came from. And if I can find out where it came from, then I can fix it. If I know where I came from, I know where it's coming from, then we could kill the Yitzhahara. Then we killed the Malachim of us. But if I don't know where I'm coming from, I don't know where that avdus, where that inability to say no is coming from, then I'm never going to be, I'm never going to be free. And that's what every person needs to do on their own. I'm not giving anyone Muslim. Most of you don't have to do anything. But if you have something that you did wrong, or that you're doing wrong, and you're, you are an Eved, you're a servant, and you're not able to say no to that, then you need to start thinking and spending time with yourself, not about what you did wrong, but why couldn't I say no? <laughs> My problem with chocolate. I'm a diabetic. I'm not allowed to have chocolate. I am not allowed to have chocolate, but I cannot say no. When I, you know, I could say no, so I, I, don't, I don't have chocolate in the house. But when I was in Florida for a week, and we went out to eat every night, and they had chocolate mousse, which is my weakness, and some of these restaurants had the best chocolate mousse in the whole world, I was like, one spoon is not going to change my life. Two spoons will surely not change my life. The whole dessert absolutely will not change my life. So, why? I can say no to everything. I don't watch movies. I don't listen to rock and roll. I'm a musician. I don't watch TV, right? I have, I'm very strict on my shmiris and I am. Someone's walking across the street. I look the other way. Right? I, I, have, I have the strength to say no. I was a gambler and I stopped dead. Boom. Which nobody can stop an addiction. Stopped it. I have this crazy strength. And you can't say no to chocolate. Chocolate is also an addiction. Well. Yeah, it is. Okay. I'm not. Right. So, 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 or a good piece of cake, whatever it is. But so I, I, I think to myself, you're a gibar. You you conquered mountains. Television was my life. 
movies was my life. You know, I have a crazy, you know, uh, I, have, I have a crazy imagination. I love movies. My, my, my book, Tolkien and the Lord of the Rings, and I read, I used to eat books at night. I would, wouldn't go to sleep. Science fiction is my thing. I, would re- I don't read anything anymore. So here I am, I'm a Gibor. I can fight all this and a, a little chocolate mousse. Can't say no. What is wrong with you? I know what's wrong with me. I figured it out. Why can't I say no? Not because it's an addiction. Because it's nothing wrong with it. A movie I know there's something wrong with. Television I know there's something wrong with. Gambling I know there's something wrong with. Chocolate mousse itself, if you're not a diabetic, there's nothing wrong with chocolate mousse. There's something wrong with a movie. There's something wrong with gambling. There's something wrong with listening to non-Jewish music. All those things I know are wrong. So I was able to overcome not to do the wrong thing. But chocolate, on its own, is not bad. It's not an Aveiro. Right. Right. And that's the egg. Thank you very much. I figured that out. Right? So that, that's the step. So that's the step. So that's the step that's hard to take. When something is bad for everyone, so you understand that you could step back. But when something is good for everyone, and it's only bad for you, it's a very hard step to take. So I identified, I identified, right, my problem. My problem is that potato chips and chocolate and a good piece of seven-layer cake is, is kosher. If it wasn't kosher, I don't eat shrimp and I don't eat lobster and I don't have a problem not eating shrimp and lobster or burger with cheese. I don't have that problem. Why? It's not kosher. It's bad. But this is good for It's kosher. You make a bracha, right? It's good for everyone. So to accept, I'm I'm doing a therapy session with myself in front of you, right? (laughs) The hardest thing to accept is that that something is good for everyone and for you, you have to admit it's bad. It's very hard. It's very hard. If it's bad for everyone, I got no problem stopping it. it that's also a fight, but I have no problem. That, that's a fight. But when it's good for all of you, and it's not good for me, then I will take pills. I'm just, not me personally. Then the diabetic or whoever is not, will take pills to correct that sugar because I'm eating chocolate cake. I'm taking pills to have side effects that are going to know what it's going to do to my body. But I'm going to take pills so that it's now not only good for you, but it's okay for me. That's so much harder work. How about the dark chocolate? You're not allowed to have any chocolate. chocolate. I don't. I don't have. I only eat dark chocolate because I'm allergic to milk. I'm I'm lactose intolerant. So I'm only talking about. But it's not the chocolate. I'm not talking about when you talk when you when you're when you're talking about drugs, right? You're talking about one of the one of the hardest things. And and this is you know I have some students that are alcoholics. And I've talked about this. It's the same thing. Drugs, right? They never, and, and, and never some girls also that drink, right? So, so, so I asked them, why do you drink? And it's the same thing that I have. Because drugs is no good for anybody. But to make a l'chaim, right? If the whole world can drink, right? You make a bracha and you make a l'chaim. Alcohol itself is not bad. You're supposed to make kiddush on wine. Alcohol is not bad. But to an alcoholic, something that's okay for everyone at the table to drink, is not okay for him. That's the problem. That's the bridge that you just can't get over because it sort of makes you different. And the one thing we want in our head is to be like everyone else, to be accepted. So it's good for everyone else, so I'm, but it's not good for you. So, so you can't take a drink because you don't have a limit to stop. So yes, a lot of kids who would never do drugs drink because drinking is okay. If you do it normally, it's okay. It's not, not very to shoot something in your arm or to take a drug. That is bad for you. To make a l'chaim is not bad for you, right? So for an alcoholic, you're not allowed to have any drinks. Because once you start drinking a little bit, it's okay. I didn't do it on Veyra. It's not a drug, right? So this is something that each one of us... That, I'm, I'm speaking about this because really what the work you're supposed to do on Pesach, it's very nice that you cleaned up and all the other stuff, but the real work that you're supposed to do on Pesach by the Seder is to work on your on your slavery, to understand, you know I was a slave and I want to be free, right? And you have this paradox that there is bitter and there is struggle and there is tears, right? There is there is salt water and there is marar and there is matzah. But on the other side, there's charoses, and there's, and there, and there's, and there's yayin, and there's a meal. 
so there's a struggle and there's bitterness and there's tears and it's hard, right? But at the same time, if you if you're able to go through that, then you then you have the the the, the geula and you have the afikoma, which is which is is the symbol for the karm pesach. Which is the ultimate, which is the ultimate freedom. So yeah, it's not just sitting by the seder and, 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 and eating the bird like we spoke about, like the minor bird. It's about sitting by the seder and, and going through your past year. What is your avdus? What are you, what can't you say no to? And why? And how am I going to fix that? That I will have the ability next year to say no to these things. Where is it coming from? That's the work that we have to do at the Seder. That's the work that every single person has to do. And, the, and I'll end with this, even though I had some stories, but we'll do it next week, Mitzvah Hashem. Um, we spoke about this before. I, I think it's the, probably, it's probably the greatest Vatayrat, in my opinion, one of the greatest Vatayrats on, on the, on, on the Seder. So the big question is, we spoke about this, but some girls were not here, Charaisis. So you make Charaisis, you take apples and you take cinnamon and you take nuts, hope that there's no one at your table, that's Chasrashalm. Be careful, you know, allergic to nuts. Um, and, and you take wine and it's delicious and you make it with apples and, and the charosis is there to take the mara and to dip the mara into the charosis to ease the bitterness, right? That's to make it sweet, to ease the, to, e- to ease the bitterness. So the kasha is, but what does charosis represent? Charosis represents bricks, right? But what is it more than bricks? It represents actually the medrash says, right? Why do you make it? Yes, well, specifically make it with red wine. Not white wine, with red wine. Why red wine? The blood of the babies that when the, when the Jews didn't have enough bricks to fill the wall, the mitzvah would make them take their babies and stick it in the wall instead of the bricks. That's what they used to do to us. Okay? So the Rabbanim asked, I don't understand. If charosis is a memory of the dead children in the bricks, how is that sweet? How does that make the mara? The mara is actually not as bitter. What does Mara represent? That we were slaves. They beat us. They whipped us. Right? That was the Mara. We had a very bitter life. But dead babies in a wall is a lot worse than being whipped. So if anything, you're dipping Mara into something that's worse than the Mara. What are you doing? You're, you're dipping Mara. Oh, I was a slave in the blood of dead babies that they put in the wall. What's going on over here? How does that represent... Sweetness. Famous kasha. Terence is amazing. It's a very strong question. The question is a, is a blitz question. It's a crazy question. That's sweet? It represents dead babies in a wall? That's what you're dipping your mara into? That's worse than the mara? The answer is unbelievable. The answer says like this. The Medri says that what Hashem said to the Tsar of, of Mitzrayim that I'm now going to destroy I'm going to wipe out the Egyptians so they came into the Yam they were following the Jews so the Tsar of Mitzrayim said you, you can't do that so why? because in Jewish law right the halacha is as follows a person if someone would come over to you and put a gun to your head and say I'm going to kill you unless you kill this other Jew so look, you have to be killed. You're not allowed to kill the other Jew, right? You have to give your life up. But let's say you kill the other Jew. You're too scared to give your life up. And you kill the other Jew. The Allah is, we cannot punish you. Since you're an Aynes, you're being forced, right? So really, you should have died instead of letting the other person die. But we can't punish you because you were forced, right? Same thing, someone comes over to you and says, bow down, bow down to this uh, idol or I'm going to kill you. And you bow down to the idol, even though you were supposed to die, there are three, three cardinal sins that you have to die for. Right? Shvichas Davim, killing someone. Adultery. Right? If someone says you have to commit adultery, I'm going to kill you. You're not allowed to commit adultery. And, and, and avoid the zero. So those are the three cardinal sins that you have to die for. Right? But let's say the person puts a gun to your head and says, I want you to bow down to this idol and you just don't want to die. So you bow down to the idol. So the halacha is, you're not chayev. Because they had, a, they had a gun to your head. So even though you didn't do the right thing, you didn't do a Kirsh Hashem, we don't consider it an Avera. So the angel of the Mitzvah came to Hashem and said, one second. Paro said that his servants, the Egyptians, had to throw the Jewish kids into the Nile. Right? And the law is that if you don't listen to the king, right, you get killed. 
Misa. So the the Egyptians, you're right. They should have said, "No, kill us. We're not killing these kids." But the halach in Jewish law is that if you save your own life and kill the kid, you're not chayev. So the malach of the of of the of, of the mitzvim said to Hashem, "It's your law. My my children, the Egyptian people, right? You're right. They shouldn't have killed the Jewish kids, but." They should have died themselves. But your law says that if they kill the other person because their life was in danger, they're not chayev. They're not punishable. So how could you punish them? He took God's law and used it against them. And he was right. So Hashem said, you know what? In that case, the Mitzrim have a right to run after the Jews and catch them. I can't. He's right. I can't kill the, I can't kill all the Mitzrim. Says the Medrash that the Malach Michael ran down, I, I should have brought it to you inside, ran down to the, to earth, plucked a baby out of the wall, a Jewish baby out of the wall, flew up to Shemayim and threw the dead baby's body in front of the Kisar Kavar, in front of Hashem. And the Malach said, they're right. The king told them to throw the Jewish babies in the Nile River, and they didn't give up their lives to save the Jewish babies. They're not chayev. But the king never looked through the chumash. The king never told them that if the Jews run out of bricks, put the Jewish baby in the wall. That was their idea. And therefore, they didn't have to do that. Their life wasn't at stake. And therefore, because of the babies in the wall, you need to destroy the mitzrim. And Hashem said that, Gizerim al-Fanai, and at that point the water covered all the mitzrim and destroyed the whole Egypt. So the dead baby in the wall is what ended up saving the whole Klai Yisrael. And therefore that's the Chareises. Even though it looks like the most bitter, most terrible thing, from it came the whole Yeshua, the whole liberation and Yeshua of Klai Yisrael. What better thing to dip Marar? Marar represents a bitter life. That you're having a very hard time. What better thing to dip Mara, which represents a bitter life, into something that looks so bad, right? The dead babies, but was so good. To teach us that the Mara, that you're dipping into the Chareises, what, what happens? There's Chareises on the Mara after you dip it in, then you eat it, right? So the Mara has this Chareises, the Mara has this understanding that even in the worst nightmare that you think you're going through, really, that nightmare is what's going to save you. And that's why we dip specifically Mara into Haroises. That's the whole night. The whole night of Pesach is Avadam Yes, we were slaves, but in Mitzrayim we became a nation. Had we never been slaves, we would have never been a nation. Had we never been a nation, there would have never been a Chagadja. And there would have never been a Chasal Sid the Pesach, Lashana Habab Yushalayim. May we all be Zaycher to see Lashana Habab Yushalayim. May we all be Zaycher to be able to say no and to free ourselves from our own inner slavery. Thank you very much. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.